Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Consumed Sermon Series, which talks about loving God and loving others with everything that we have. We hope that this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Go to uh, John chapter 13. John chapter 13 is where we'll be in just a moment. John chapter 13. <clears throat> Of course, with Pastor Gone, we have a few men in the church preaching these next few weeks, uh, <clears throat> a few services, and excited to hear some of the other guys. But tonight, you got to put up with me. So um, we're going to be in John chapter 13. We're continuing our Consumed series. So the series that Pastor's been preaching through on our theme uh, to look at being consumed with a love for God and a love for people. That's what we're continuing this week. And, uh, and, and the past few weeks, we've kind of focused more on the love for God aspect of it, uh, how we can love God and what that's going to shape uh, with our relationship with Him. And tonight, we're going to kind of shift over to the loving others part. And, uh, and I'm excited to look at this tonight. I hope, you, hope it'll be a challenge to you uh, as it was to me this past week in studying it. And so John chapter 13, and we'll begin reading there in just a moment. Uh, but just to kind of review our series, what we've learned so far, of course, the entire theme for this year and for this series is based out of Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31, where it says, And one of the scribes came, having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, The first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. In these past few weeks, as I said, as we've gone through the series consumed, we've really focused on that first part, loving God with all of ourselves. The first week we looked at how our love for God will be affected by our closeness to God. Uh, we looked at, uh, <clears throat> you know, if we want to love God more, then we need to get closer to Him. The second week we talked about how we must love God more than any other. You remember those verses that we must hate our father and mother and, and our children and all of brothers and sisters? I mean, uh, of course we looked at it and it doesn't mean to hate them, but in comparison to our love for God, our love for God should be so much superior to that of any other relationship. To our authorities, mother and father as it says, uh, to our family, our brothers and sisters, it says even to those that we love here on earth, our wife our, and, our, and our children, uh, our love for God should far surpass pass our love for those people. And we looked at that that second week. And then um, last week we saw that our love for him will be evident in our actions. You remember that verse in John 14, he said, if ye love me, keep my commandments. If we love him, we're going to obey what he's told us to do. We're going to follow his commandments. Um, so that brings us to this week. Uh, if loving him means we will keep his commandments, then we're going to look at a commandment that he gives us to follow. And it's in John chapter 13. So if you're there, if you would, you're willing and able, would you stand with me and we'll read John chapter 13. And we're just going to read two verses, verse 34 and verse 35. We'll read them twice as we get started tonight. John 13, 34 and 35. The Bible says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. 
By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. I'm going to read it one more time. It says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Let's go to our God in a word of prayer, and then we'll jump right into the message for tonight. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just want to thank you so much for this opportunity that you've given to us, uh, Lord, to be able to look into your word and just to see exactly what you have for us to learn. God, we thank you so much for the reminder that we've had this year through our theme to be consumed with a love for you and a love for people. God, we pray that you'd help us through this series to just really catch hold of the vision of what that theme means in our hearts and in our lives how we can live that out for you each and every day. God, we pray that you would help us tonight as we hear from your word. Help us to have the right hearts and minds that we need to be able to hear from you. Lord, help us to not only just listen and to hear, uh, but Lord, to, to apply what we hear tonight uh, to our everyday living to glorify you more. We pray that you keep us safe tonight. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> now, I find it interesting that uh, Jesus says here, of course, this being known as, uh, by many as the farewell discourse. The farewell discourse, because he's about to uh, go into really the whole crucifixion and, and being betrayed and all that is just about to happen. Within a few hours, is a lot of that is going to begin taking place from this point in scripture. And so they call this the farewell discourse. What he's really kind of saying to his disciples as he's about to bid them farewell. And I find it interesting that here Jesus says, hey, I have a new commandment for you. I have a new commandment for you. And at first glance, it really doesn't seem like a new commandment. Uh, you know, loving each other, uh, in fact, is not a new commandment at all. If you were to look at the law that many of them would have known, back in Leviticus chapter 19, it says very plainly, it says, Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt not in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. All the way back in Leviticus, where all of these Jews would have studied and looked into the word, and, and, and especially the religious leaders at this time, they would have known that the, this wasn't a new commandment to love other people. So uh, you, you even look at our theme verse for it. Jesus says that the weightiest commandment, the second weightiest, is to love uh, thy neighbor as thyself. He says there's no other commandment greater than these. And so to love other people isn't a new commandment. So what is the new commandment? The new commandment is this, to love each other as Christ loves us. To love each other as Christ loves us. Not just as we love ourselves, but as Christ loves us, as Jesus loves us. And it kind of reminds me, if you were to look at it, it kind of reminds me of in Matthew, I think it's chapter five, where uh, Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount and he gets to a portion of the Sermon on the Mount where he says, you've heard it been said, an eye for an eye, but I say unto you, turn, you know, turn the other cheek. That's where we get turn the other cheek, is he says, uh, offer to them the other cheek also. And then he says, you've heard it said to not commit adultery, but I say that even looking at a woman and lusting in your heart is to commit adultery. And he says, you've heard it been said to walk a mile when told to do that by a Roman soldier. And I tell you, go the extra mile. And he tells them to uh, two mile. It is how I uh, have taught our boys class to do it. Two mile it. Go the extra mile. 
Uh, and throughout that entire chapter, Jesus is pretty much saying this, hey, live to a higher standard. Live to a higher standard. And he ends the chapter by saying, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Right there in Matthew chapter 5. And to me, this new commandment that Jesus is giving in John chapter 13 is almost kind of how he uh, portrays those commandments in Matthew chapter 5. It's almost as if he's saying this, you've heard it said to love your neighbor as yourself. But I say unto you, love one another even as I have loved you. So he's saying... I'm calling you to a higher love. I'm calling you to a higher love toward each other because let's be honest, sometimes it could be easy to love others as we love ourselves. I mean, when I mess up, it's very easy for me to get mad at myself and call myself a doofus and beat myself up about the mess up. So if someone else messes up, of course I can love them like that, you doofus. You know, how could you do that? It's so easy to love people like that. But when we're loving like Jesus loves, we will demonstrate love to them even when they are at their worst. You think of Romans 5, 8, when it says that God commendeth his love, that word commendeth, of course, means demonstrated his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were in our worst and sinful state, that is when Jesus demonstrated his love to us by dying. He didn't show his love to us while we were perfect and holy, no. He showed his love to us in spite of how sinful we are and how much we hurt him. I mean, think about how his love impacted others, how Christ's love impacted others. The one who wrote our passage tonight and the passages of the last few messages we've heard is John, uh, also known as the apostle of love. The apostle of love. Well, why? One of the reasons is because he references love so much. I mean, you read throughout John and first, second, and third John, you see the word love and, and derivatives of that word so many times in, uh, in his books. But another reason is because of how many times he refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. The one whom Jesus loved. Now, was John Jesus' favorite disciple? We don't know, and honestly, it really doesn't matter. But he thought he was. He believed he was. Uh, that was the impact of Jesus' love. There was no question as to whether Jesus loved them or not. And I'm sure all the disciples felt that way. I'm his favorite. He loves me. And our love should do that for others within the body of Christ. There should be no question that we love one another. And as we look tonight at this passage of Scripture and at, at our Savior's example through the way that He lived and the, and the words that He spoke, I want us to really hone in on this. It's good for us to love the lost, and we're going to look at that next week. I think Brother Robert's preaching on how our love is going to be affected with the lost. But tonight I want us to really look at our love for other believers, our love for other believers. Because in this passage, Jesus says the true, uh, the true witness of you being a disciple of me is going to be how you all love each other, how you all love each other. People uh, are going to see how you and I treat each other and love each other, and that will be the true test on whether they think we're a follower of Christ or not. Not as much our love toward them, but how we treat each other. And so three things that I believe our love for each other should be, and each one of these things, we will be able to be found uh, within the words and actions of our Savior. And so I want us to look at three points tonight on how we 
should love each other. The first one would be this. Our love for each other should be selfless. Our love for each other should be selfless. I love the example of our Savior here in Scripture. We see an ultimate example of selfless love woven throughout this entire farewell discourse and throughout the final nights of Christ on earth. We see it when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. He was the most important person in this entire group. He's the most important person in the room. He could have easily thought, well, why haven't my feet been washed yet? Uh, my feet are filthy. If you study out the life of Jesus, you would see that he has done a lot of walking leading up to this meal with the disciples. His feet definitely would need to be washed. And he was no lowly slave of the house. He was under no obligation to wash their feet. And yet we see Christ's love. He doesn't think, why haven't my feet been washed? He's thinking, wow, these men need their feet washed. His thoughts were of the needs of his disciples, not of his own needs. Even more astounding is that he was thinking of the needs of Judas. He knew what Judas was going to do to him later that very night, and yet he was more concerned for the needs of Judas than he was his own. What an example of love. Are we loving this way? Are we that selfless, caring more for the needs of even the people in the church that may have hurt us or said something that we didn't really like? Are we, still, are we that selfless that we care more for the people that maybe aren't our closest friends in the church, but we care more for their needs than we care for our own? Uh, what an amazing example of selfless love by Christ. We see a selfless love also when in the next chapter, he considers their need for encouragement. In the very beginning of chapter 14, he says, let not your heart be troubled. Again, he knew what was about to befall him that very night. He knew that in the next couple of days, uh, what was about to happen to him was he was going to be betrayed and denied and beaten and scorned and laughed at and spit upon. He knew all of that. And, and no doubt in his mind, he would have been thinking about those things. And yet, instead of worrying about his own heart and his own needs of what he might need at encouragement in that time, knowing what he was about to be, uh, go through, he focuses on encouraging his disciples because he was more concerned with their needs. We see it again in the Lord's Prayer in John 17. And I encourage you to go there and read that chapter throughout the entire prayer. This is his prayer in the garden as he prays. Uh, throughout the entire prayer, you rarely hear Jesus focus on his own needs. Almost every word is Jesus praying for his disciples. And in this prayer, he even prays for us, for us. Uh, go read John 17, 20. That's Jesus praying for us. He prays, God, give them strength. God, sanctify them through the truth of your word. God, give them unity. They need it. Please, Father, I pray that you give them these things that they need. Another example of Christ's selfless love. He was always more concerned with others' needs before his own. And he is always concerned with our needs above his own. We see it in the garden when Peter cuts off the ear of one of the guards. I'm still pretty sure, honestly, in reading that, that Peter was not aiming for the ear. I think he was aiming for the head, and, uh, but he was a fisherman, so we can give him some slack for missing. But he took off the guy's ear. But instead of, instead of worrying, here Jesus, instead of worrying about his own safety and his own life, we see Jesus caring about the needs of this guard named Malchus. And Jesus restores the ear to the man, a man who was there to arrest him and take him away, and yet he takes time to care about his needs. Oh, this, this guy needs his ear back in place. I'm gonna minister to this guy. And we could go on and on, really, about the selflessness of Jesus that we see in scripture. 
But let's take a moment and evaluate our love for others within the body of Christ. Do we love each other selflessly as Jesus loves us? Do we care more about the needs of those around us in this church than we do our own? It takes some humility to think less of ourselves and to think more of others. Philippians 2, 3, and 5 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things. In other words, don't look upon what you need right now. But uh, it says there, but every man also on the things of others, on, on what other people need. And let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Two of the characteristics of love in 1 Corinthians 13 are that it does not vaunt itself or puff itself up and that it seeks not her own. In other words, someone who is loving people like Jesus loves are not focused upon themselves and they aren't trying to show love in order to make themselves look good. They're simply doing it out of a love for people. They genuinely love others and so they're concerned with the other's needs more than they are their own. My wife and I, we have this saying in our marriage. It's three little words, and it's actually said very often in our marriage. In fact, I'd probably say that it is said so often, it would be the second most common phrase in our marriage. The first, of course, being I love you. But this phrase is just as loving, even though when I'm about to say it out loud, it won't sound as loving. The words are this, get over yourself. <laughs> In casual conversation, in arguments, in day-to-day -day living, sometimes one of us just needs to be reminded that life is not all about our own happiness. Maybe we're talking about a situation that we don't like the way it's playing out, or maybe one of us is complaining about how something is being done by someone else, or maybe one of us just gets a little too confident in our ability to do something. In any and all of these situations, it's good to just be reminded to get over yourself. Well, what are we doing when we say that to each other? We're informing the other person that they aren't showing love like they ought to be. They are more concerned with their own feelings, biases, wants, or needs than they are with the feelings and needs of the others in that situation. When this happens in life, we simply need to get over ourselves. I'm simply saying tonight that if we're going to love each other the way Jesus loves us, then we need to begin looking past ourselves and striving to see the needs of those around us before our own. We need to love selflessly. But then our love for each other should also be sacrificial. It should also be sacrificial. This can go hand in hand with a selfless love. If we are more focused upon others' needs than we are our own needs, then we're going to naturally be sacrificing some things that we may want or need. This is something we regularly see in Jesus's life. He consistently sacrifices for others. I think of we seeing it in the feeding of the 5,000. If you were to go back and read the story, you would find in John chapter six, uh, you would find that Jesus had departed into a mountain with his disciples. They were resting. It says there that they were sitting down and the connotation is that they were sitting to relax, to kind of get away from the multitude. And yet, even though this was a rarity in the life of Jesus and the disciples because of the growing popularity of ministry, in the midst of trying to relax, Jesus was moved with compassion on the multitude that was coming toward him. And he sacrificed his need for rest and ministered to these people, ultimately culminating in one of the greatest known miracles in the Bible. And at the end of the miracle, he sacrifices his opportunity to be lifted up as the political savior that these people wanted to try to make him. Instead, he knew it was not his time. And in humility, instead of taking his rightful place of authority, uh, uh, above 
above these people. He sacrificed them and he sent them away. We see uh, him even sacrifice his opportunity to win an argument uh, about whether he needed to pay the temple tax or not. If you were to look in Matthew chapter 17, uh, Jesus and his disciples are in Capernaum and the religious leaders ask Peter uh, why his master, Jesus, doesn't pay the temple task. And in Peter's mind, this was a task that no one in their right mind would not pay. And so Peter kind of, as we many times see him do, kind of speaks out of turn, but he says, oh yeah, he paid the tax. And then Jesus has to kind of take him to this, the side and teach Peter that kings don't fund their kingdoms uh, by taxing their family, they do it by taxing the people within the kingdom. And he was showing to Peter, look, the, the temple is part of my father's kingdom. He's not going to tax his own son to fund the kingdom. He's going to tax the rest of those within the kingdom. And yet, even though he had no obligation to pay the tax, we see uh, instead of him staking his claim and winning this argument, Jesus performs the miracle of Peter fishing and finding the fish with the money in his mouth and using that money to pay the temple tax for Jesus. He understood that sometimes it's better, it's better to sacrifice an opportunity to be right for the greater cause of peace and unity. Sometimes it's better to sacrifice an opportunity to be right for the greater cause of peace and unity. We can definitely learn from that. We don't always have to be right. Like Brother Fountain said this morning, so, sometimes it's okay to be silent. Uh, we can let people be wrong for the sake of a greater cause, peace and unity with that person. There is a time to speak up, but that's not every single time. Sometimes we can just let someone be wrong about something that's really not that important so that we keep the greater cause, peace and unity with that person. We see Jesus's ultimate sacrifice, of course, though, when he died on Calvary for the sins of the world. He gave everything so that you and I could go to heaven and be with him one day. What an amazing sacrificial love. I just wanna take a moment and, and remind ourselves of the complete sacrifice that he made for us. He was tortured, he was ridiculed, he was spit on, he was lied about, he was mocked to scorn. He was laughed at. He was beaten across the face. He had his beard ripped out of his face. He was whipped so much that his entire body most likely looked like ground beef hanging off of a bone. He was so bloodied and bruised that he was barely recognized as a human being. He was pierced through his hands and feet with nails and through his side with a spear. He was hung on that cruel cross grasping for air. Lungs probably felt like they were going to burst with every single breath that he breathed until he completely suffocated to death there on that tree. And he did every single bit of that for you and for me out of love. Again, Romans 5 eight, he commended and demonstrated his love in dying for us when we were yet sinners. We need to understand that to love each other as Christ loves us means that we're willing to sacrifice some things for each other. John 15, 13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savior. Christ was willing to sacrifice so much for us because of his love for us. And we are called to love each other as he loves us. That means that we must be willing to sacrifice for each other. That means that we must 
be able to, or be willing to sacrifice our time, our, our money, our right to get even, our desire to always be right, and so much more. We need to love each other selflessly and sacrificially. But our love for each other should also be servant-minded. Our love for each other should also be servant-minded. What I mean by this is we should not just have a love for each other emotionally or philosophically. We should show that love for each other through our actions. If you were to ask uh, the kids that are in our Thursday nights uh, class every single Thursday night. In fact, there's some kids in here. Kids, how do I dismiss you every single Thursday night? What? I tell them, I love you guys every single time. Every single time I say, I love you guys. But I hope that each and every one of those kids would also be able to tell you how I show that love to them. Not just by telling them, but by teaching them, praying for them, praying with them, talking with them, and listening to them. Loving selflessly and sacrificially, it can be done really without doing anything tangible for the other person sometimes. Those can be done in just our words or our thoughts, but to love as Jesus loved by serving requires that we take some action. First John 3.18, John says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. What John's saying here is that in order to truly love each other as we should, we need to be serving one another. This goes beyond just our words. This is loving people with our actions, loving each other with our actions. We can see this all throughout the life of Jesus. But I want to focus in on the one instance that happened right before the verses that we read tonight, when Jesus washed his disciples' feet. It was a lowly job for the lowest of slaves in a house, a gross job. It was feet. Uh, not just that, but men's feet. Sometimes I am disgusted at the feet that I see at men's, men's retreat. I'm just saying. And I can't imagine the feet of Jesus' disciples who walked everywhere, traveled through dirt, mud, sand, animal dung. I can't imagine their feet being any better than the feet that we see today. In fact, they're most likely in absolutely, completely, much, much worse conditions than our feet today. And yet Jesus didn't make a big deal out of it. He just knew it needed to be done. So he humbled himself to do the lowest job as the lowest slave. The king of all heaven lowered himself to wash the feet of these men. And I know I mentioned it earlier, but this included Judas's feet. In fact, if you go to the beginning of the chapter in John 13, it says that at this time, the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas to betray Jesus, and Jesus knew it. It tells us that. Even knowing this information and what was on the heart of Judas, the very moment Jesus was bowed down before Judas, he still was humble enough to wash Judas's feet. Wow. What an example of servanthood. A servant-minded love. God expects to show us to show love to each other by serving each other. Uh, this, these past few weeks, so uh, Alan and I, we, we just finished up the discipleship course together. And I always love being reminded of the truths found in that course as I go through it with others. But something that Alan and I continue to come back to in our conversations was how to serve others with our spiritual gifts. How to serve others with our spiritual gifts. The Lord has equipped each and every person with specific gifts. 
And he desires that we would use those gifts to serve each other. Why? Well, because he wants us to love each other. And he's commanded us to love each other as he loves us. And that requires serving one another. No wonder God gives each and every one of us different gifts. We need to be ministered to in different ways. So he specifically equips other believers with the gifts that are needed to show love to us. And vice versa, gives us the gifts that are needed to show love to others within the church. This is an, an absolutely vital thing for us to grasp tonight. Why? Because Jesus said, this is the way uh, that people will, we will prove to the world that we are his disciples, is the way that we love each other. First John 4, 7 and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Do you hear that? Those that don't love don't truly know God. Why? Because our love for each other is a defining attribute of followers of Christ. God is love. Therefore, those that have God within them are also going to characterize, exemplify, and exhibit that love toward each other. It just makes sense. Jesus said it this way in our passage, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. For so long I had heard this message preached that the lost world will know that we are disciples of Christ by the way that we love them. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying that they will see the way we treat each other and the love that we are supposed to be showing each other is the true sign of discipleship. People will be able to know we are followers of Jesus by the way that we treat each other. So if that's the case, then how can we practice this selfless, sacrificial, and servant-minded love? Well, I'm gonna break it down for us a little bit. This is where I wanna get, we kinda got through with the philosophical side of things. Yeah, it should be selfless and sacrificial and servant-minded, but how's that gonna look? Let's get to the practical side of it. How will loving each other selflessly, sacrificially, and servant-minded, how will that look in our conversations? Well, instead of dominating conversations, we will use conversations to see how we can minister to the other person. So if you start to realize that you're the one talking the most in the conversation, you might not be exhibiting the selfless love that you should. In our conversations, we will sacrifice our desire to be right sometimes for the sake of unity and peace with the other person. We will sacrifice our desire to talk all about ourselves, what's going on in our lives, our own jobs, our own dreams, our own, are you catching it? We're going to, if we're going to love selflessly and sacrificially, then our conversations are going to be more geared toward listening to the other person talk. We'll desire to learn more about others rather than making sure everyone knows more about us. In our conversations, we will also defend each other if someone else is gossiping or complaining about another believer. <clears throat> Don't put up with people gossiping or complaining about other people in our church. Call them out on it and defend those in the body of Christ in love. I don't know if you've noticed, but the armor of God is all forward-facing. There's the shield and there's the sword. It's all forward-facing. And I believe that the reason for that is that, uh, is that each and every one of us <clears throat> uh, in the body of Christ are supposed to have the backs of others within the army of the Lord. 
God's equipped us with everything that we need to fight off the devil, and we have that front-facing armor of God, but we're going to get attacked from the back, and we need to have each other's back. Sometimes in our conversations, to love one another selflessly and sacrificially and with a servant mind is to defend each other when someone might be talking bad about another person. How will it look in our prayers? Well, we'll use our prayer time to intercede for others, for each other. At all times, there are people in our church that need our prayers. We have people battling cancer, depression, going through surgery, sicknesses, deaths in the family, pregnancy, heartbreak, and so many more things. And they need us to be praying for them. If we're loving each other the way that we should, then we're going to sacrifice a bit of time each day to pray for each other. Take the prayer sheet from Thursday nights and pray through it each week, or maybe even each day. Love other believers by praying for them. How will it look in our actions? Well, I could go on forever and ever about how this could look, but if you know someone likes maybe a specific kind of coffee, buy them one. If someone is going through a financial difficulty and you can help, help out. If someone is in the hospital or stuck at home recovering from a surgery, write them a note, text them, call them. And if they don't mind visitors, go see them. It wouldn't take long for us to see a need and through our actions, show the love of Christ to another person in the church. Look for these kind of opportunities and seize them. How will it look, not just within the church family, but how will it look outside of these walls? How will it look outside of these walls? Well, we will actually acknowledge each other in public. <laughs> it's so sad to me, but many times this world acts more loving toward each other than we as Christians do. When they see each other in Walmart or at a restaurant, I've, I've seen people scream across the store, hey, oh my gosh, how are you? Like so excited to see each other. And yet how many times have you avoided someone in public and gone through another aisle uh, that's from our church? Don't deny it. I'm there with you. We've all done it. I'll admit it too. But yeah, yeah, I saw you. But if we're going to love one another, let's acknowledge each other outside these walls. Uh, we'll, we'll talk well of those within the church outside of these walls as well. Don't act nice to everyone here at church and then gossip or complain about them to your coworkers, family, or friends outside of the church. No, if you have a problem with someone, go to them personally. And that's an entirely different message for a different time. But talk well about those people within our church family. That's a way that the lost world will see our love for each other and know that we are followers of God. We could go on and on with a lot of different ways that this could be tangibly practiced in our interactions with each other. But I think we all see it tonight. I think we're kind of catching on. Maybe some things jumped into your mind. Well, this is a way that I could show love to this person within our church. We must make sure to love each other, not just to have a love for each other, but to show that love for each other. Christ didn't just feel love for us. He commended, he demonstrated that love for us, even in our most terrible, wicked, and sinful state. Even while we were sinners, he demonstrated his love with the completely selfless and sacrificial act of dying on the cross for us. And if we love him, we'll keep his commandments. And he's commanded that we love one another. So how are you going to show love to other believers this week? Let's get over ourselves and love each other with a selfless, sacrificial, and servant-minded love.
Let's go to our God in a word of prayer and then we'll have our invitation for tonight. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just wanna thank you so much for your wonderful and amazing love to us. God, thank you so much for dying on the cross for us. And so many times we are not worthy of your love and yet you just continue to show us, Lord, demonstrate that love to us. God, we thank you so much for that. And we pray, Lord, that as we try to live for you, that we would take hold of your commandment to love each other. Lord, that we would take something that we can do tangibly and practically this week to love on other believers within your, within your body, Lord. Lord, that others outside of this body would see our love and they would see our good works toward each other and come to you and glorify you and know that we're your followers because of it. Lord, we pray that you would help us to not just hear a message like this, but to apply it. We pray that you'd be with everything else that we do tonight. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.